so many emails. Spam, delete, spam, delete. Trader Joe's, ooh, Grubhub, save that one for later. Bruce Hughesby at Calvary, oh, what does Bruce want? Hey Jeff, I hope this finds you well. Buttering me up already. I was wondering, hey, do you have some time on the 28th? Oh, I don't know what that is, but I want nothing to do with that. Delete. All right, let's play some golf. Now a text from Bruce? Hey Jeff, listen, I sent you an email, but then I thought, hey, it's 2019. You probably don't even use email anymore. Ignore. I've just got too much to do today, and I don't have time for any of that. Get in the hole. Now Bruce is calling me? This guy doesn't give up. (laughs) Voicemail. Your call has been forwarded to an automated voice messaging system. At the tone, please record your message. When you finish recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. Hey, Jeff, look, I have something really important to talk to you about. Can you give me a call back? Thanks, man. Looking forward to hearing from you. Jeff, man! Man, what a game last week! Good to see you, man. I know it. It was so exciting. I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. I can't believe it went down to the last play. And it was so cool. Man, you should have been there. 50-yard line, 10 rows up. Man, it was electric. The crowd was great. Man, I had a spare ticket. I tried to text you. I emailed you. I even left you a voice message, but you never got back to me, man. Oh, man. Listen, maybe another time, but I doubt it. See you, man. Yeah. Next time. Oh, man. Have you ever had that happen to you? Uh, Where you thought you were uh, avoiding an invitation to something terrible, and it turned out you were actually avoiding an invitation to something amazing. This can happen with God. If we're honest with one another, the Bible, uh, devotion we get from the Lord, it sometimes feels like a long, boring email that we don't want to be bothered with. It can feel like a text from a pushy friend, It can feel like a voice message from somebody that we think is just wanting to call us up to invite us to go something, do something difficult somewhere in the world we don't want to go, or ruin some aspect of our life, or sign us up for something that's going to make us miserable. The truth of the matter is, is that if we're honest, we don't want to be bothered with anything from God because we think, you know what? All that's going to lead to is trouble or difficulty or rob me of fun or whatever it may be. But the truth of the matter is, every message from God is a blessing. God has plans for us, plans to bless us and not to harm us, plans to give us hope and a future. God loves us more than we love ourselves, and what he longs for us is life, 
abundant life, the way it was meant to be lived. And we fall for the lie that whatever message might be coming from God is designed to ruin our life when the truth of the matter is we're ignoring and missing these great messages from God. So this morning, what I have for us is an invitation from the Lord. Now, if it had come by email or text or voicemail, you might delete it and miss it. But you're captive right here. (laughs) So what I want to do with you this morning is I want to go through the invitation with you. We're going to open up the email and read it together. If at the end you decide you want to turn down the invitation, you're free to do that. But at the end of the morning, I do not want anyone to say they don't know that God is inviting them to something. And so I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to open God's word, and we're going to see this invitation that he has for us. Would you bow your heads as I pray? Father, I praise you that you have taken time to invite us. God, you are the creator of the universe. Who are we that you are mindful of us? God, so often our hearts are confused and led astray by our own evil desires. And we think that anything that might come from you would simply rob us of the fun that we want to have in life or add burdens to our already overstressed and busy life or would simply confuse us or make us feel guilty or punch us in the face. God, please show how far from the truth that is. Lord, I pray that God, as we have this chance to open this invitation from you, Uh, Lord, I pray that you would do what only you can do, which is to speak through your word to our minds and hearts. Uh, God, would you do mighty things? There is something far greater waiting for us than tickets to a football game. God, help us not to ignore this beautiful and wonderful invitation. We ask that you would do this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. I'd like to invite you, if you have a Bible, to turn to the book of Isaiah chapter 55. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, that's no problem. There should be one in the rack in front of you. It will look like this. And if you take one of those Bibles and you turn to page 602, 602, you will be in the book of Isaiah, chapter 55. While you're turning, let me say that we did look at the first part of this passage on Easter Sunday as an invitation to those who are not yet believers in Jesus to come and experience eternal life. Let me just say that invitation stands. And if you're here this morning and you've not yet accepted that God loves you, that he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for you to forgive all your sins, that Jesus was raised from the dead so that you can have new life, please, as we read through this passage, hear an invitation from living God to you, inviting you to be part of his family. But as we read this passage, it's also an invitation to Christians to be able to meet with and engage with and experience God and the life that he designed for us, a life of blessing. And that's the aspect we want to focus on this morning. I should also say, before we look at the passage, this is fitting and fits with some of the things that I felt like the Lord was saying as I was away on my study leave. I got back a few weeks ago from a study leave, and I told you that I would try to share with you some of the things that the Lord had said. One of the main things that he said is that he wanted us as a church to spend more time and put more energy and more effort into helping us 
learn better how to experience God through his word. How to be able to engage with the living God. And so that's one of the things that we're working on and thinking about as we go forward. And Isaiah 55 uh, is perfect for that. As we begin, remember I said we're going to hear the invitation. So just imagine we've opened up the email, we've got the text message, our first inclination was to delete or to ignore. You don't have a choice, you're stuck, you're a captive audience. Listen to the words of the invitation, Isaiah 55. This is God speaking to you and to me. Come, all who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations you do not know will come running to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. For he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. Did you hear the invitation in there? Is it an invitation to misery? Is it an invitation to pain? Is it an invitation for you to give up that which might be good about this life? It's an invitation to life as it's meant to be lived. Isaiah uses the metaphor of food. It's actually God speaking through Isaiah. The metaphor of food. It's like you and I think we've got an email from a friend who wants us to come over and help them uh, clean up their kitchen and wash the dishes when in reality it's an invitation for a free dinner at the chop house. This is what God is offering. Do you not want this rich, delicious food that is life? God is promising joy, this amazing offer. Do you hear the invitation? This is not an invitation to be miserable. Please hear the invitation. I know you and I may have thoughts about what we think that email is going to say, but this is what it says. It says... I want to give you life. I want to give you the richest affair. I want you to enjoy life. How? How? Well, keep reading in the passage. Verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word 
that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper. Instead of briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. What is this an invitation? It's an invitation to experience joy. It's an invitation to experience peace. How? Through God's word. This is an invitation through God's word to experience and engage with God in such a way that it feels like eating a feast. It's an invitation through God's word to engage with God in such a way that it produces joy and peace. That you want to run out singing. This is the invitation. I emailed a friend a couple of weeks ago and shared with him some of the stuff I just kind of told you about my study leave and said, hey, this is what I felt like the Lord was kind of laying on my heart is that we as a congregation need to spend more time and Lee as a staff and leadership need to be put more energy and effort into helping people hear from God through his word, training them, explaining those kinds of things. I sent it to him and said, what do you think of this? And he emailed me back. I want to show you just a little bit of the email that he sent. He says, there is nothing, absolutely nothing in my journey of faith and ministry that has, had, that has made as much of an impact on my own journey than my view of Scripture, of seeking the Lord and hearing from Him. He's newer in some ways to this view. He says, it has been nothing short of transformative, night and day. I dare say if I had an opportunity to learn these principles and views earlier in life, my trajectory would have been very different. There are numerous people in my life, potential leaders, existing ones, students, etc., that I think would greatly want this in their life and would greatly benefit. This is the promise of God, transformative. Do you hear regrets in that email? Do you hear someone say, man, I wish I never opened that email? No, this is someone saying, if only I had known earlier in life that you could meet with God, that you could experience God through his word. That's a person full of joy. That's a person that's experiencing peace. That's a person that wants to shout for joy. That's the promise of the passage, that through God's word, you can experience God in such a way that you can't help but sing. Now, why should it be that through God's word this happens? Two reasons. First, verses 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Have you ever had the experience where you just simply get tired of reading everybody's opinions about things? Whether it's politics or climate change or sports or whether or not eggs are going to kill you or not kill you or how much coffee you're supposed to drink or how to retire or whatever it may be. Have you ever gotten tired of just all the opinions? It feels like everybody's got an opinion out there. 
And some of them can be useful, but at times I feel, you know, you read them and you start to get sort of jaded and confused and bogged down and weighed down. And you're like, what am I supposed to do with all this? And there is no end to the number of thoughts people have about things in life. Why is the Bible so special? Because it's not those things. It's God's thoughts. And he says, look, my thoughts aren't like your thoughts. They're not like your thoughts or anybody else's thoughts. And if at any point you've got tired of hearing everybody else's thoughts about everything, the invitation is, would you like to know God's thoughts? Would you like to know what God thinks about politics? Would you like to know what God thinks about money? Would you like to know what God thinks about sports? Would you like to know what God thinks about life? The invitation is you and I through his word. What makes it so special is we have access to the thoughts of God. His word is God speaking his thoughts and his ways to us. And his claim is, look, my thoughts are about better than your thoughts. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my opinions and my thoughts and my judgments and my statements than yours. And the reason why God's word is such a feast and such a blessing is because at some point, if you've been choking down the opinions of others, if you've been feeling full and bloated from eating all the wisdom of the world, God says, would you like to eat something that actually tastes good? Would you like to eat something that actually nourishes? Would you like to eat something that's of real value? Here are my thoughts. Here are my ways given to you. Psalm 18 says, The word of God, every word of God, is flawless. Flawless. Perfect. What else could you possibly read or engage with of which that is true? Psalm 19 says, the word of God is sweeter than honey and more precious than gold. This, again, is not an invitation to misery. It's an invitation to the sweetness of life, to the riches of life. God says his word is like that. Psalm 119 says God's word is a light to my feet and a lamp to my path. Who doesn't want a lighted path? Hebrews says that God's word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to cut out in the finest possible ways anything that needs to be cut out. Jeremiah says God's word is like a hammer crushing the mountains in front of us. It's like a fire burning away the trash around us. Jesus says, if you continue in my word, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. This is the invitation. It's an invitation to know, hear, and experience the thoughts of God and be set free. Free from the opinions of the world. Free from the confusion. Free from all of the contradictory ideas. Free to experience and hear the very thoughts of God. And to be honest, far too many of us have settled for other people's thoughts on things. Even other people's thoughts about God, which are fine. But at some point, it's very different to hear the thoughts of God from God himself as opposed to what somebody else said God said. For example, imagine a scenario where at your company, they've just hired a new CEO. 
And as part of her sort of orientation to the new company, she's decided she's going to meet with uh, select employees uh, from around the company uh, to kind of have one-on-one meetings and kind of explain who she is and take questions and those sorts of things. And imagine that in your department, uh, she's chosen one of your friends to come and meet with her. And so your friend goes off and meets with the CEO and your friend comes back and gets all your colleagues and coworkers around and everyone says, you know, what was it like? And what did she say? And your friend says, oh, she was really great. I think this is, um, I feel very hopeful about where the company is going. And she seems to be in favor of this and not in favor of that. And she seems to be really good at these kinds of things. And I think she wants to push the company in this direction, but not in that direction. And the whole time you're sitting there thinking, well, that's really interesting. What does she think about like what I do? Like, does she find my area interesting? Like, is she, is she going to give more resources to what I do? And maybe you ask out loud and say, what about paternity leave? Is she interested in paternity leave? Or is she going to have like a stock purchase plan or any of those kinds of things? And imagine the people around you who didn't meet with the CEO. Imagine some of your coworkers say, oh yeah, I'm sure she's for a paternity plan. And I'm sure she's going to do a stock repurchase. If you're like me, I would sit there and think, what do you know? You didn't meet with her. Where did you get that opinion from? But even for the friend who did meet with her, who might say back, well, I don't know. I didn't ask those questions. I would be like, well, if I had been there, I would have asked those questions. I would have listened for different things. That's the point. God's saying, look, you can listen to what other people say about me. That's fine. There's something good about that. You can read other people's thoughts about God's thoughts, or you can engage with God himself. You can be the one to go to the meeting. You can be the one to listen with your own concerns in mind. You can be the one to ask the questions you need to ask. And the beauty of the invitation is God is saying, it doesn't just have to be your coworkers or your friends who come to meet with me. You can. I can. This is the blessing. In this are the very thoughts of God. Now, having said that, we're still on point number one, by the way. (laughs) Having said that, there's a caveat. There's a warning. And the warning is, because this is unlike anything else in the world, because it is the very thoughts of God and not ideas about thoughts about God. You can't read it like you read any other book. Now, on one hand, there are certain things. It is written down. It has different genres and poetry and lots of things. And there are things that you can get from how you read other books that can help you read this. But It is a fundamentally different experience to engage with the very thoughts of God than it is to read anything else written on earth. Think about for a minute the last thing you read. If it was a book, for some of us, it may have been a long time ago. A novel? For some students, maybe you can remember back all three or four weeks ago when you had a textbook or something that you read in school. For some of us, it may have been something we read on the internet, an internet news site, or a blog. Think about the last thing you read. Most likely, either consciously or subconsciously, while you were reading, you asked yourself questions like this, which is, 
Do I like what I'm reading? Do I understand it? Do I agree with what this person is saying? Do I resonate with this character? Am I learning something through this experience? All very fine questions when you come to read a book. The problem is, what you are reading is a historical record of someone's thoughts about something. And you are evaluating those thoughts to think whether or not you agree with them or not. When you come to the scriptures, that's not the mindset to take. What you are not looking at is a historical record of what some human thought a few thousand years ago for which you should evaluate it and say, do I agree with this? Do I like it? Do I like that character? Do I think of myself as learning something through all of this? Jesus teaches us a different way to engage with God's word. Let me show it to you. In Matthew 22, some uh, teachers of the law and Sadducees come to Jesus with a question. It's a hypothetical situation, and they say, okay, there's a lady, and she was married to a guy, and her husband died. She then got remarried to another guy, and he died, and she got remarried to another guy, and he died seven times. And their question is, whose wife is she going to be in heaven? And they think it's sort of a tricky question. But listen to Jesus' response in Matthew 22. You are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. Now, mind you, this is a group of people who have spent their life reading the Old Testament. And Jesus actually said to them, you don't know the scriptures or the power of God. He goes on to answer their question. At the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. Then he goes back to address the deeper issue for why they're asking this question, which is they don't really believe in the resurrection. But about the resurrection from the dead, have you not read, now pay very close attention to this phrase, what God said to who? To you. To those Sadducees, those teachers of the law who are standing right in front of them. Have you not read what God said to you? I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. The problem is, is Jesus is taking people who are experts in the Old Testament, who have spent their life reading the Old Testament, who have spent time being educated to be able to read the Old Testament, and he says, you're reading it wrong. You're reading it like a law book. You're reading it like a thing that you would mine for information. You're looking for theology or answers to questions. And what you are missing is that the living God of the universe is speaking to you through the passage. You see, if you turn to Exodus 3, which is what Jesus is quoting here, you would not think this was about a resurrection experience. This is Moses asking God, look, when I go to Egypt and they ask me, who sent me, what should I say? And God says, you should tell them I am that I am. I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Nobody who's reading Exodus 3 like a history book would ever think, oh yeah, that's about the resurrection. But Jesus says, in all your study, in all your reading, 
and all you're looking for information, you failed to appreciate that what is going on here is the living God is speaking through his word to you. Jesus would never say, have you read what Aristotle said to you? He would never say, have you read what Homer said to you? He could say, did you read what, uh, what Aristotle said? Did you read what Homer said? Meaning, in their books, you can sort of analyze their thoughts. But this is different. This is God speaking directly to you. And because those Sadducees and teachers of the law were reading the Old Testament like they would read any other book, they failed to hear God's voice speaking directly to them, telling them, look, Abraham's not dead. Isaac's not dead. Jacob's not dead. Therefore, I am the God of the living. There is a resurrection. But you can't get that if you read this like a history book. Okay. So first reason why the invitation to God's word is so powerful is because these are the very thoughts of God and that God speaks directly to us when we open his word. Second reason why it's so powerful, verses 10 and 11, as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. The second reason why the invitation is so powerful, it's an absolute promise that your engagement with God through his word will be productive. Of no other book, no other reading experience can you make this claim. God is saying every time, every time you open my word, I take the passage that you are reading and I send it to you for a particular purpose. That's what Jesus was saying in Matthew 22 to those Sadducees and teachers of the law. You missed the fact that God was taking Exodus 3 and, set 3 and sending it into your life for the purpose of telling you that he is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. And God says that's true every time you open my word. And the guarantee is it will produce fruit. Have you ever gotten to the end of reading something on the internet and all the comments afterwards and thought, well, there's an hour of my life I'm never going to get back? <laughs> you ever get to the end of a book and say, or in the middle of the book and think, this is a complete waste of time. Why am I finishing this book? That will never happen with God's word. There is nobody who is going to show up on judgment day and say, man, I shouldn't have spent so much time engaging with God through his word. Now listen, you can read the Bible in such a way as if it were just a novel or as if it were just sort of poetry or a textbook, and you can come out of that and go, well, that felt like a waste of time. That's because you're reading it wrong. But if you're reading it to hear the voice of God, you're never going to get to the end of the day and go, man, I spent too much time hearing God's voice in his word. It's not going to happen. And you're never going to get to the end of that experience and say, it did me no good. We may not see it right away. Just like when rain comes down from heaven. You're like, well, I don't see any growth going on. It's going on under the surface. Yes. 
but at some point it will pop its head out and something will grow in fruit. This is the promise of God. Every time you and I open his word, not read about what other people think about this, but when we actually open it up and we listen to what he is saying to us, God's promise to us is, I will send you that passage and it will accomplish the purpose for which I sent it. Which leads to the all-important question. How do you read the Bible in such a way that you actually hear the thoughts of God? And not just simply that it's a history book. Let me give you six easy to understand steps to do this. And let me invite you to take this challenge this week to try this. Step number one. You need to find a passage of scripture. I'm going to suggest that this week we use Isaiah 56 and 57 because that's the next sets of passages that we're in. If you have your own Bible reading plan or a daily devotion or somebody sends you a passage and a card or something and you just feel like that's from the Lord, great, you can use that. These steps are for any passage of the Bible. But if you don't have one, let me suggest Isaiah 56 and 57, okay? So now step number one is done. So let me tell you, we have five very easy to understand steps for you to do. Step one, find the passage. Step two, pray. And when you do this, I'd just simply like you to say to God, confess any ways in which you might be doubting that he's going to talk to you or any ways in which you might have ignored him or any ways in which you have kind of like hoping that he's not going to make your life miserable when you open up the Bible or confess anything that might be on your mind or heart. If you lack the faith to believe that God might speak through this, that's fine. Just tell him, Lord, I'm having a hard time believing. And then as part of that prayer, just simply pray, God, please reveal the purpose for which you're sending this passage to me today. You don't have to ask him to come up with a purpose. He has one. You just are asking him, help me to figure it out. So step one, we just need a passage of scripture. We're going to use Isaiah 56 and 57. Step two, we're just going to pray and say, okay, God, Isaiah 56 and 57, not just words on a page. Help me to believe you're going to speak through this into my life and show me what you're doing. Step three, ask yourself the question, what stood out to you in the passage? Okay. You may find that all of Isaiah 56 and 57 felt fabulously alive and real to you. You might not. Was there a particular verse? Was there a set of verses? Was there a phrase? Did something jump out at you? It may have jumped out at you because you were daydreaming through the rest of it, and that was the only verse you actually read and paid any attention to. That's okay. Take note of that. It may have jumped out at you because it's like, you know what? Those words remind me of what's going on at work. It may have jumped out at you because you're like, wow, that's a really cool phrase. I really like that. Or it may jump out at you because you're like, boy, I hope that's true. Whatever the reason, step three is you're just taking note of what jumped out. Which verse or verses or section did you really like? Which ones did you understand more than others? Whatever it is, we're looking for that piece where it's like, you know what? That felt really alive. Does that make sense? Step four. Take that verse or those set of verses or that phrase or whatever it might be that jumped out at you in step three and ask, what might be the purpose that God has sent me this passage? 
Why did this passage come to me today? It could have come a year ago. It could come next year. What is it about this phrase or those verses or this section? Why might God have sent this to me today? Is it because I need encouraging? Is it because I just got out of that terrible meeting at work? Is it because of the stuff that happened yesterday? Is it because I've been thinking and worrying about my kids? Is it because I just... I feel like my heart's been far from God. Whatever it might be, we're just asking the question. God has a purpose for something in Isaiah 56 and 57 for each of us this next week. Just ask the question, what might it be? Step five. Share whatever you came up with in steps three and four with someone else or do steps three and four in community. You can do it in your small group. You can do it with a spouse, you can do it with a friend, you can do it with a child, with a parent, and all you're simply doing in that step is you just simply ask somebody, okay, well, we read Isaiah 56 and 57, maybe you read chunks throughout the week, whatever it was, what stuck out to you? And then you just ask the question, why? What might be going on in your life? And maybe, if you don't know, maybe the person that you're talking with will like, do you think this has anything to do with uh, what we were just complaining about at work? And then step six, uh, you simply say thank you to God. If it was powerful and you felt like, man, the tree grew immediately and bore a whole bunch of fruit and I'm eating the fruit right now, thank God. If you're like, okay, well, just a little bit of rain came down, but I'm going to trust that that rain is going to cause growth to happen, thank God for that too, simply by faith. Everybody good on the assignment? This is the invitation. We opened up the email. We read the text. There's no excuse to say, well, I didn't know there were tickets to a football game. The invitation is for a great feast, for joy and for peace, for the blessings of life. You've heard the invitation. If you choose to do nothing with the invitation, that's between you and the Lord. You are free to do that. But please, please, God is not inviting you to a life of misery. He's not trying to harm you. He does not want to rob you. He is inviting you to the beauty and the glory of life as it's meant to be left. Please respond to the invitation. Thank you so much for joining us for this podcast from Calvary Church. We hope this message has brought the light and hope of God's presence into your life, refreshing your soul for the journey the Lord has you on. If you have a spiritual need or would like to connect further with the work God is doing through Calvary Church, seek us out online at calvarygr.org. On our website, you can also find an archive of previous messages from this series. Thanks for listening.